I think we're all familiar with this scene that we see in the movies. The, the person, the innocent victim is tied up and, and they've been captured and, and they've got their high hands. Hold on. About to lose everything here. They've got their hands tied behind their back. And somehow they're able to knock the chair over and they find the, the glass that just happens to be you know, on the ground and they cut through the ropes and they break through, they, they take the gag off and they jump through the window and they begin to run for their life. Meanwhile, the enemy, the bad guy sees that they've escaped and he starts to run after them. And so they're running for their life. And of course they're in the woods. They're always in the woods. And so they're running and sure enough trip, someone always falls and they sprain their ankle and now they're having to run with a gimp and they're running and they're running and they're going down the road and they come to town and, and they're looking for a place to go and they go, oh, a dark alley. That's a good decision. And so they run down the dark alley and they find a little alcove and they hide there behind the wall and they're, they're relieved and they think, oh, oh, I made it. I'm finally safe. And just when you least expect it, whoosh, the bad guy puts his hand through the window or something and, and they get scared and they run again and they look and they look and they, yes, an abandoned building. There's always, an, I haven't been in an abandoned building in decades and there's always an abandoned building. And so they run in the abandoned building, up the stairs, down the long hall to the last room on the left and they go into the room and they, they shut the door and they're, they're crouching against the wall, scared to death. Well, we all know what happens. The bad guy finds them, always. He busts through the door and picture this scene. We've all seen it. They're cowering against the wall, scared to death. And you see the shadow of the enemy just slowly coming over them. You've seen that, right? <laughs> We've seen that in the movies. Now, let's put ourselves, <clears throat> excuse me, for just a second. Let's put ourselves in this predicament. What would be our reaction? What would be our knee jerk if we are in the shadow of the enemy in that case? Well, number one. I would be scared to death. I mean, I would be shaking in my boots. Number two is I'd probably want to fight. I'd want to do something. And, and you know, in the movies, there's always just something nearby, just, but it's never within reach. They have to just barely, and the bad guy can't see them reaching and, and they just barely can get over and they grab that rock or that lamp or bottle and they whack him in the head. <clears throat> and you know, he always has to die three times and come back to life before the movie will end. But anyway, we would want to fight, wouldn't we? Now, in some instances, maybe we'd want to just give in, throw in the towel and say, you can have me. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of fighting. Just, just give in to, to the enemy. And I, I think it's pretty safe to say for any of us, we'd want to scream. We'd want to yell, help me. We want someone to know we are in harm's way. We need rescue and we would cry out for help. We would run. We'd be scared, first of all, but then we would run. We would fight. We might throw in the towel and we would scream for help when we were in that predicament, right? Well, hold that picture, okay? Put it on the front of the lobe because as we dive into the, the book of Exodus in chapter 14, we're going to see that Israel was much in the same predicament. They're back against the wall in the shadow of the enemy. Here's, here's what happened. Last week, Paul was here and he spoke about how Israel was finally released from slavery and was set free from their captivity and, and the bondage that they'd been in for years in Egypt. Pharaoh's heart was finally softened and he allowed 
them to be, to be set free. So they pack up their things and they get out of Dodge. Well, the way this played out was they didn't have to try to guess where to go and which road to take and which path to go down. God was present. He gave them a cloud and a pillar of fire, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And all they had to do, this was the presence of God. All they had to do was follow the cloud. Wherever it went, that's where they went. Wherever the fire led them, that's where they would go. So when they exited Egypt, they went south. And they went, traveled south of Egypt, and then God stops and decides to redirect them. I mean, you know, sometimes it is kind of crazy. God takes us down some crazy roads to get us where he wants us to go. And he interrupts their, their travels, and he redirects them. Look at what it says in, in Exodus 14, verse 2. Here's what God says. He says, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near, I can't even say this word, pi Hahiroth between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. They turned back around and they went up basically northeast. And they found themselves at the Red Sea. Now, you got a picture where they were. This was like military suicide here. They were back against the wall in a geographic cul-de-sac, if you will. And there was no place for them to go from here. If they went one direction, they'd run into the, the um, Egyptian fortresses, encampments. If they went another direction, they'd end up in the desert where they would surely die. If they went the one more direction, they would just end up back where they started. And so their back was against the wall and they had no place to go. And they're camping there at the Red Sea when all of a sudden the scary music starts to play. And they hear the footsteps of the enemy and they look up and they see Pharaoh and his Egyptian forces coming at them. And we have to understand that this, this army was known for its prowess and its skill. They were known for their their skill and their power with the chariots, using chariots to combat. And so it was roughly like a a major world power descending upon this little third world country country that was camping by the, the seashore. Well, like any of us, they were scared to death. And what did they do? Well, they couldn't run. There was no place to go. They really couldn't fight. There was no way they, they could stand to, to survive fighting against this powerful army. And, and, and many of them wanted to throw in the towel. They said, you know what? We would rather just go back to slavery. It would be better to be in bondage and in slavery and safe than to be free and in danger here. And so often even in our own lives, it's easier to go back to the familiar that, that thing that has held us captive, even as dysfunctional as it may be, just because it's the familiar and we feel safer in that. And so that was one thing. And then they cried out. They screamed out for help. And part of this screaming out and, and it was lashing out. You know, when we're in a predicament, we want others to feel our pain. And so they began to, to blame Moses for taking them there, telling him, you brought us out here just to die. There wasn't enough graves in Egypt, so you brought us out here in the wilderness so you could just bury us all out here. They developed some 
spiritual amnesia. They forgot. It really had nothing to do with Moses' direction. The Spirit of God had led them to this place. They had followed God here. And they forgot what God had done for them. And they, they failed to think that if God led them there, he could lead them out of there. And they complained and they were scared and there was confusion and chaos and they lashed out and there was, they didn't know what to do. They're sitting here at the, at the, the Red Sea with their back against the wall in the shadow of the enemy. Well, let's look at what Moses says to the people. In verse 13, Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. And then God gives Moses some direction in verses 16 through 18. Look at what he says. He says, raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. So Moses followed God's lead. He stretched out his rod, his staff over the the Red Sea. The Red Sea began to part completely. God sent a mighty wind that blew over the the floor of the Red Sea and dried up the ground. And then the next morning, the Israelites were able to take their first step onto the sea floor and to walk across the sea. Now, I got to think that even as they were walking across the Red Sea, as they're looking at all the, the wall of water, that it was still a little scary and they weren't real sure. But you know what was great about all of this? God continued to provide and he continued to fight for them. The Bible teaches us that, that the cloud that was ahead of him moved to the back of them. God put himself between his people, his children, and the enemy. When the Israelites looked back, they saw the cloud. When the enemy looked toward them, they could not see them because of the, the cloud. God fought for them. Well, the the Egyptians followed suit and began to to cross over the seabed as well. And as they were crossing, following after the Israelites, God sent a panic among them. They got confused. He caused their chariots to clog up where they, they couldn't move as quickly and as swiftly. God began to do some things that no one would have thought he would have done. And he protected them. The Israelites got across to the other side. And as they got to the other side, God gave Moses further direction. Moses held out his rod again to the Red Sea and the water crashed in upon the Egyptians, killing Pharaoh and the Egyptians, the whole lot. They were all done. And it tells us in this chapter that the Israelites the next morning were able to look back and see what God had done. They actually saw bodies washing up on on the seashore. God had saved them. He had rescued them. This is a great story. I mean, most of you probably are familiar with this story. Probably not a newsflash. Maybe you remember hearing it in Sunday school with the little flannel graph thing. Y'all remember flannel graph, some of you. Some of you are too young for that. Ask someone who's older. But I remember this story. But you know, we have to ask ourselves a question here. Here's the question. So what? I mean, you know, it's a good story, but so what? 
My fear is that a story like this becomes a little too familiar. And we kind of lose sight of the reality of it, the power, the punch, the significance of this story for our lives. And we relegate it to more of a cliche. Well, God's just going to have to park the Red Sea to get me through this one. We, we, we make it more like a story time, a, a fairy tale. And we lose sight that this thing happened. This is not something made up. This is real. And it's a tragic story. It's not something we, that's cute. It was tragic. People lost their lives. They died. People were scared. It's also very triumphant. It shows the power of our God, his power over the forces of nature and man, his love and mercy to, to rescue, to save his people. It's very triumphant. And you know, I think one of the greatest the greatest things we need to ask ourselves is what is the point of all this? What are we to take from this? Well, God tells us in this passage, we've actually read it. I don't know if you locked in on it, but let me read it again to you. In verse four, this is what it says. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians will know that I'm the Lord. So the Israelites did this. The point of this story, I mean, it's great to look at that and realize God will make a way and all those things. But the point of the story is that God would receive the glory. That God would get glory. Now that's a a term we use around the church, but what does that really mean? I mean, is God some, some egomaniac that just needs some props? What is this all about? Well, for God to get glory means that his people recognize that he is God and ascribe and give him credit for who he is, the weight of who he is, his power, his majesty, his love, his direction. All of that is given praise and worship and credit to God for who he is. For the Egyptians who worshiped pagan gods, they would realize that he is the one true God. For the Israelites, they would realize that this is the one God, the one true God, but the God who loved and would save and rescue them and give him credit where credit is due. That is giving God the glory. And that is the point. But you know, the greatest tragedy in all of this would be that we would miss the point The greatest strategy in all of this would be that we would know this story. Maybe we tell this story to our kids and and we hear it and we like it and everything. But the greatest tragedy would be that we would know the story, but not experience the story. That we would not have Red Sea moments and experience the Red Sea God in our own lives. You see, this story could be your story. And I don't know about you, But I have had my back against the wall and I definitely need God to show up in my life on a regular basis. I want God to get the glory through my life as well. So how is this gonna happen? How are we gonna give God the glory? How are we gonna see this story become our story? Well, let's let's dial it in for a minute. Let's just get honest. Think about your life. I would suspect that for a lot of people in here, 
there is some circumstance, some predicament, something that you are facing in your life and your back is against the wall. You're not sure how this thing is going to work out. You're completely flabbergasted by the whole thing. You are stressed out. You are in fear. You, you, you have no idea. You're back against the wall. And I would suspect in this time, there are some shadows in your life. You see the evil one, our opponent, Satan, the devil, he loves to cast shadows in our life. He loves to block that light from us and to keep us from seeing God's light in our life. What shadow is he casting in your life? Is it the shadow of doubt? Well, I'm just not sure that this Bible and all this stuff I read, I'm just not even sure that that's all even, even true. I'm not sure God will move in my life like he did in the Red Sea. Maybe it's the shadow of denial. I don't have a problem. I can figure this out. I'm smart enough. I got a college education. I can deal with this thing. Maybe it's the shadow of guilt. My sin's just too great. God doesn't love me anymore. I can't be resurrected from this. Maybe it's the shadow of an addiction or something that has held you captive for so long that you just don't believe you could ever be free and you're willing to just continue in bondage to it. What shadow is, God, is the evil one placing in your life? Well, here's the good news. You ready for this? It's awesome. The good news here is that the shadow proves the sunshine. The shadow proves the sunshine. Think about it. You cannot have a shadow without light. In order for there to be a shadow, there's got to be light. And when we are back against the wall and we are facing these things in our life and we feel these shadows creeping up on us, this is our moment. This is our moment to step aside and to look up and to see the light of God and give God an opportunity to show up in our lives and to give him glory through what he does in our lives. That's the point. But we still have to go to work on Monday and we still have to negotiate through our lives, don't we? We've got to know how to deal with these things. What are the next steps going to be? So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to look at the instruction that Moses gave the Israelites when they were in the shadow of the enemy, because I think we can learn a lot from it. Let's look at what Moses said to his people. In verse 13, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will not see again. Moses is saying, I know the enemy is upon you, but don't be afraid. Now that's a little bit weird to say. I mean, I got to be honest. If the enemy is coming on me like that, I'm going to be pretty scared. And the truth is we will face fear in our life. On one end, fear is a good thing. It is an alarm. It, it, you know, if I'm walking down the dark alley and the bad guy comes out with a knife, be afraid, get out of there. But on the other hand, fear can be a very detrimental thing, something that the evil one will use in our life and keep us from experiencing that light, experiencing God's power in our life. I've wrestled with fear and sometimes fear can take root. 
Sometimes it can dig its its claws into us and begin to legislate our choices and our actions, what we choose to do and, and how we behave. It can flavor our words and our conversations and make things really, really ugly. I remember several, several years ago in a, in a work environment that I was in, I was feeling back against the wall. Things were not going great with, the, with that job. And, and, and I, was, I was in a predicament of sorts and, and fear began to set in. And I began to just have this anxiety and this fear of, fear of failure, fear of, of not owning up, fear, fear of being fired. And, and when you're fearful, you get paranoid. And so you start thinking about all the things that might happen. And, you know, the boss's door is closed. Well, surely they're in there talking about me and I don't know what's going to happen. And if you're like me, you run through all these scenarios in your mind, just one what if after the next, trying to figure out, trying to anticipate what's next. We're fearful. And fear can rob us of what God wants to do in our lives. Well, let's look at what God did with the fear of the Israelites. When we look in this passage, we see in verse 31, it says, And when the Israelites saw the great power of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. You see, their fear was transferred to God. They had a fear of God more than the fear of their circumstances. We cannot allow fear to rule and reign in our lives. We need to fear God more than what we fear related to our circumstances. When we fear God, that means that we have a healthy, extreme awe and respect for who God is. When we fear God, we fear life without him in our lives. We fear missing his plan and purpose and the consequences of that. We fear disappointing God, quenching his spirit in our life. We fear being outside of the zone of his favor and his blessings in our lives. And you know what happens is when I begin to see God for who he is and I recognize that and I fear him in a healthy way in my life, then suddenly all these things I'm fearing in my circumstances begin to dissipate a little bit. They begin to seem so much smaller because of how big God is. The first thing Moses tells his people when they were in the shadow of the enemy was to don't be afraid. Why? Because God's bigger. Fear him and not this circumstance in your life. Well, let's move on. What was the next thing in that same verse? In verse 31, he says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Then he also said, stand firm. Stand firm and you'll see the deliverance. Basically what he's telling the people is, stop freaking out. Stop complaining and blaming everybody and trying to bring everybody into the muck of what you're feeling. Stop, stop gossiping and talking about Moses and all the wrong choices and decisions he's made and trying to make everyone else feel what you're feeling. Just shh, just be quiet, settle down. This is a theme that we read throughout scripture. Check out these verses, Isaiah 30, 15. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. 
Look at Psalm 46.10. The Bible says, he says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. I will be glorified. My wife and I, Lindsay, we have a bit of a communication problem in our marriage. Maybe some of you struggle with communication. Now, it's not quite what you think. It's not that we have trouble telling each other things or bringing our, each other into to, to the scene here. Um, but our, our struggle in communication has to do with the layout of our home. <laughs> we have a separate kitchen and living room area. And it's almost a daily occurrence. I'll be in the living room and I'm on my laptop doing something. The, the, the news is going, the TV's on. We live near an airport. The planes are flying over. The birds are chirping outside. And then she's in the kitchen and she's got the dishwasher going, the water going. She's banging pots and pans. And she'll say something to me from the kitchen. And all I hear is, and I'll, you know, we've been married a year. So now we can answer like this. What? And she'll go, well, blah, 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 blah. And I'll go, what? Blah, 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 blah. And finally, I'll just say, yes. I figured that's positive. How much trouble could that get me in? Just be positive. And so the next thing you know, I end up with mustard rather than mayonnaise or something, you know? Why? Because we miscommunicated. Well, we all know the answer here. In order for us to communicate appropriately, I need to turn down the television shut the laptop, get up out of my seat, go into the kitchen, look her in the eye, turn everything off and say, I'm sorry, what did you say? And be in her presence and hear her clearly communicate what she was trying to tell me. Well, the same is true in our relationship with God. When our back is against the wall and we're freaking out by all the stuff that's coming at us, we're in the shadow of the enemy, there is chaos. And that fear and anxiety and everything within us creates a lot of noise in our lives. And we just need to be still. We need to shut it down. And we need to get into the presence of God. Because when we're still and we get into the presence of God, we will hear. And we will hear God's direction for our lives. God speaks to us through his word. Getting still and reading his word seeking wise counsel from a trusted advisor, just being still and listening to God as he communicates through your heart, through your spirit. We've got to be still. And when we're still, we will hear. And when we hear, then we know what to do. So this is how we're going to have this story be our story, how we're going to see God show up in our life when we're back against the wall in the shadow of the enemy. First of all, don't be afraid. Fear God more than the circumstance. Number two is be still, get into his presence and hear his voice in your life. And the third thing, if we read further in this passage, it says, don't be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance. See the deliverance. Think about this with the the Israelites. The only way they saw the deliverance of God was to walk. They had to take that first step into the sea floor. And then they had to take another step and then another step. And I got to believe it was pretty creepy 
walking through that and looking at the wall and the little fish looking at you and um, not knowing where this thing would end up. Would God cause the water to fall on us? Maybe he was mad at us for, for complaining and blaming Moses. Who knows? But they walked forward. And as they walked forward, God showed up. He fought for them. Because you see, when we fight, God gets no glory. But when God fights for us, he gets all the glory. He caused a panic among the Egyptians. He put the cloud behind them so that the, the, Israel, the Egyptians could not see them and they could not see the enemy. He, he caused their chariots to, to blow out and they couldn't, couldn't get anywhere. God fought for them. And in the end, they saw God's deliverance. You see what Moses What God is calling us to is faith. We gotta have faith. We've gotta believe that God that we read about in the Red Sea story is the same God that is working and moving in our lives, in our world today. And he has the same power that he had then. He has the same power for our lives today. And we've gotta have faith and trust and just believe and walk forward. Sometimes it's just a baby step, a baby step. He's not going to lay it all out. He's not going to tell us every little detail and how he just wants us to take that next step, do the next right thing. And as we do that, we will see God fight for us and show up in our lives and pull us out of this dire strait, this circumstance that's got our back against the wall. I remember... One of the first times that I really saw God show up like this in my life that I believe where I began to learn this lesson and I'm still learning it. But one of the, the, the first times was when I was in my first job out of school and I was working in a marketing department and I was asked to, to be a part of this concert tour we were sponsoring and to lead a team of salespeople on this tour. Now, this was a grueling tour. It was 12 cities in 14 days, night and day, sleeping on a bus overnight. It was going to be a lot of work. And I was an entry-level employee. I was not making a lot of money. And we all knew that with what I was being paid, it was not worth it for me to go out and to, to do this type of work. So my boss and I talked through it. He developed an incentive plan and a bonus plan for me and wrote it out and gave it to me, and I was good to go. I was excited about this, this possibility and the opportunity to make a little bit more money. And so I did the tour, and everything went great. The end of the year rolled and went around, and I hadn't heard anything about it. So I went to my boss, who was a vice president of the company, and I said, hey, hey, remember that bonus we talked about, and you wrote it up, and you gave it to me? Um, I was just checking in on that. I was just kind of trying to make some plans and find out when I might expect to, to see that. I said, oh, oh yeah, okay. Um, hey, let me check some things out for you and I'll get back with you. Sure, great. Well, a few weeks rolled by and still hadn't heard anything. So I kind of went back to him and you gotta remember I'm a 20 something and this is a VP. I was kind of intimidated and I go back to him and go, hey, you know, we talked and now I haven't heard and it's just kind of, mm, you know, what's gonna go on here? And um, you won't believe what he told me. He said, well, you know, we're going through some changes and there's just some stuff that needs to be figured out. And well, I'll tell you what, why don't you just put it out of your mind and then, you know, in the new year, if it, if it comes around and it happens, it'll be a great surprise for you. 
I'm like, seriously? I'm hearing this from an executive vice president of this company? Well, I felt like my back was against the wall at this point. I didn't know what to do. I mean, if I went around him, that wouldn't look good. Surely he would fire me. I mean, I can't really call a lawsuit. I mean, that would be ugly too. And I I don't want to quit and not have a job because I've got bills to pay. And I I was back against the wall and I was freaking out by it. And my my tendency was to kind of go to other employees and say, what's up with him? And you know what he did? And and to talk a little bit about it and and what's his deal? And and to complain and to, to, you know, share in the Bible study all the stuff that's going on and, and, and go through all of this stuff. And then finally, in a quiet time where I was reading my Bible, I got still. And God said, you know what? You don't have to be afraid here. You just need to be afraid of not doing what I want you to do. He began to say, you know what, Troy? I'm afraid that the shadow of greed is coming over you. You're obsessed with getting this money. And that's not my plan for you. You know what? I want you to know that I will take care of you and I will provide for you with or without that bonus. You need to let it go. So I took that and I thought about it and I prayed about it. And I just said, you know what, God? Okay. I'll give you a shot here. I let it go. And I went back to work and I did my job and God began to to let go of that chain that it was kind of holding on to me. And and I began to just move forward and things got worse. It was not fun working there. I mean, at one point I was like, man, I'd rather go do whatever than be here. It got intense. And then one day I went into the office And the entire executive team had been released. (laughs) Didn't see that one coming. I mean, I would have never dreamed that would have happened. Some consultants came in and had the opportunity to talk with with a couple of the the guys and show them my letter and my thing. And, And a few weeks later, I got the bonus that was promised to me. And you know what? The fact that I got that had nothing to do with me. Had nothing to do with what I concocted and how I strategized and how I worked it all out. It was all God. He got the glory for it. He showed up and he parted the sea and he provided in my life. Now, I know that that may seem like a small thing to you. And I'm sure there are people that are in really life or death situations here. So I don't want to minimize that. But you know what? It's my story something God did in my life. And you know what? He wants to write a story in your life too. God wants to show up in all his power and might and part the Red Seas in your own life and receive the glory through it. We're in a series called Momentum. And Momentum is all about that force that drives us forward. God wants to move you beyond your circumstances. He he wants to move you beyond this thing that's got you back against the wall. He, He wants to prove the sunshine in your life. He wants to show up in your life. All we have to do is to not be afraid, to fear God, to give him glory, to be still, to listen and take the next right step. And as we do, he'll fight for us. He'll show up 
and he will receive the glory. And that is the point of it all. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes for for just a second with me. And I know that maybe there are some here that maybe you really are struggling. Maybe some folks over in the West Campus that you're struggling through some, some really difficult times. I just want to encourage you that God loves you. He is in control. And he does want to move and show up in your life. He wants to prove the sunshine, the light of his light in your life. Then there may be some of you here that you would say, Troy, that sounds great. And I want to see God move in my life, but I don't know God. Maybe you've never made him the Lord of your life. You've never reconciled your need for God and invited him into your life. And if that is you, I want to give you an opportunity today to make that choice and to make that decision. All you have to do is simply pray this prayer that I'm about to pray. Lord, I recognize that I'm a sinner and that I'm distant from you because of my sin. I ask you to forgive me for my sin. I know that you died to pay for my sin and I received that payment. I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me and to be the Lord of my life, to be the same God that you were in the Red Sea, to be that in my life. I give you the reins. I give you control. If you prayed that prayer with me for the first time, I would encourage you, no matter what campus you're on, to to fill out the connection card that you received and to drop that off at the, the help desk and to to just let us know so that we can help give you some next steps. Father, thank you for what you give us in your word. Thank you that this story that we read about in the Old Testament of the Red Sea can be our story. God, for all of us that are in the shadow of the enemy right now, we ask that you would show up. We ask that you would prove your light in our life and that you would receive the glory. Help us to walk forward in faith and to give you all honor and all glory through it. Lord, I pray this prayer in Jesus' name.